Are we animated? Yes. Is it weird? Also, yes. This week on Writers Get Animated, animated episodes of shows that aren't normally animated, but decided to do an animated one. That's right, you heard me. Stay tuned. day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and animation. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're looking at live action shows who decide for one reason or another to make an animated episode. So... We want to talk about why somebody would do this and what things you get when you do this. And is this a good idea at all, ever, to do? <laughs> so we have, there are, there are so few lists of this phenomenon actually happening. So... Uh, uh, doing a Google search for animated episodes of live action shows begets very few results. Surprisingly. <laughs> Surprisingly. I thought there were more. So, I literally just thought of another one as we're sitting here that we should you have did? talked about. Community. Oh. Community is a G.I. Joe parody. Hmm. Yeah. See, they're hard to think of, dear audience. So we thought of and found one, two, three, four, five before this episode at at community to the list. Um, we may not talk about all five, but uh, they are Scooby Natural, which is season 13, episode 16 of Supernatural. You heard that uh, right. <laughs> season 13. <laughs> there is Hot in Cleveland, the animated episode, season five, episode 18. Yes, season five, Hot in Cleveland. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was surprised about that. Made it to five seasons. Farscape, I think it made it to six. Farscape, Revenging Angel, season three, episode 16. That sounds about right. Broad City, Mushrooms, season four, episode four. Which is not kid friendly by any means, by any stretch. Um, and Eureka, do you see what I see? Season four, episode 21. So those are the five that we found. We may not talk about all five of them, but we're definitely going to be talking about Scooby Natural and a little bit of Revenging Angel as our core arguments i suppose yeah we may hit on some other ones now looking at some of these um i think there's a one clear theme that i think sticks out is that when these shows do an animated episode they tend to very very directly or mm, a little bit more legally obtusely parody an existing work mm-hmm with the exception of not having seen it, I think the Broad City episode. You're right. The Broad City does not parody something that's already there. Because um, when, when a live action show decides to do an animated version, they are playing around with the audience's understanding of animation which is very surface level. So I would say the broad public um, may not be listeners to podcasts like this <laughs> and may not have deep understanding of the medium of animation. So they may just have a very surface level of animation, a very innocent understanding of animation um, or of a childlike 
understanding of animation since maybe they haven't seen an animated film since they were kids or remember shows when they were kids or are dragged to films by their kids. And, <laughs> and that, that may be their only experience with animation. That's possible. I, I do like that, at least with Scooby Natural, they say that this is our template. Like, here is Scooby-Doo, we are much like this. And then have a thesis about like whether or not they're like Scooby-Doo. So that feels like it comes from a, poise, a place of love, not just like, here's a thing that I know about that's animated. We should do that too. Which I feel like it was hot in Cleveland, which oh. we'll, we'll talk a little bit about. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about having um, experienced that. Um, <laughs> the question that I have to start off with is, why even do an animated episode? What, why would somebody do this? Why would a show decide 13 seasons in, four seasons in, to have an animated episode? Well, hopefully they've lasted long enough to have uh, enough money and showmaking know-how to make an animated episode and blow the budget <laughs> on that. Yeah. And they, they, ha they have to have the time to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Because it's animation takes time. Animation isn't a one-episode stand. It is a full commitment relationship. <laughs> Which answers the next question... Which is, why haven't more shows done it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, the big reason is money. Um, but another reason is you have to have a good enough reason to be animated. You know, it has to make sense for your show and the world of your show to be able to let animation in yeah and i think your fans have to be open enough to let animation in as well mm. like you have to have fans where the overlap is your show plus something animated or animation in general um you can't just throw not having seen hot mess in cleveland uh you can't just throw like a wonka parody into hot in cleveland <laughs> and just hope that it works because it won't. Spoilers. Spoilers. For people like me. People like me who haven't seen it. So I don't know if there's a specific type of show that can pull it off. Um, in our little list, there are one, two, three shows that are sci-fi slash fantasy. Um so they, they lend themselves to that, I think, because you can have the magic of it. Um, you know, at least it fits that we're already in a heightened world. We're not in the real world. So it wouldn't make sense for something as topical as like, oh, what's out there? Like Bones to have an animated episode or uh, Sherlock. To have an animated episode, although I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I think that could work, yeah. I could see that framing. <laughs> um, and then we have two hot in Cleveland and Broad City, which Broad Cities is more effective, which we'll talk about, because of how they use animation itself. It's not necessarily about the animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a concept I'm really interested in. I think different shows have done throwaway animated bits unbreakable kimmy schmidt has like this princess bit they do in season two sometimes but it's like less than a minute long mm -hmm. i mean that's a really common thing that i've seen in certain live action shows where they have flying birds or you know like they play on the snow white thing singing yeah. animals flying around yeah they do the trope Briefly. They don't go all in. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a, here's a quick gag, and that's about it. That's as far as you get. That's all we had the money for. <laughs> money slash time slash interest. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
Yeah. So let's look at the types of ways that you can get animation into your live action show and possibly pull it off. So okay. one way is you're doing a satire of something. You're going to deconstruct and make fun of something. So we're going to make fun of our own show by making an animated surrogate and deconstructing that as in Scooby natural mm -hmm. or we're going to throw our characters into something um, that they're not normally in like a Willy Wonka parody and whether that works or not for hot in Cleveland. Sure. <laughs> um, what else could we do? Um, there's different explanation -y ways to get into it. Um, either hallucinations or visions or some kind of mind work kind of thing. Mind work? Mind work. Something in your head is happening. I'm thinking of the Farscape episode now. Yeah. Where there's the character in his head that's kind of causing the animation. <laughs> <clears throat> I like your note here. Science slash magic. <laughs> Not either or. Slash. Slash. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think you can also do a story within a story where you're just animating the story within a story. One character is telling something. Um, this isn't live action into animated, but I, I've thought of like those animated shows that do an animated episode inside their animated episode. Um, American Dad does one where they play a game of D&D, &D, for example, where it's animated a completely different style. Um, so I think... I can't think of good examples, but a story within a story could work. Well, it's it's things like um, to do two examples of movies that we've talked about. That would be The Breadwinner, mm -hmm. where it's using a different type of animation inside of the traditional hand-drawn animation. Or um, The Little Prince, which has the stop motion inside of the um, 3D computer generated. Yes, so exactly. You, so telling a different story inside of your story and using animation to do that. Um, looking through the list here, Scooby Natural, we have satire slash crossover <laughs> slash um, magic. slash magic. <laughs> Science slash magic. Um, hot in Cleveland. We just have satire? Question mark? Question mark. Um, Farscape is definitely dream hallucination head thingy going on. Um, Broad City hallucination head thingy going on. Um, and then Eureka, we have science slash magic, where you're in a world of magic-y science mm. or science-y magic. <laughs> Technical term. Yep. Yep. Uh, so there's some interesting things. Everybody finds their own way to make it work for the world. And I think if, if it doesn't break the rules of the world of your series, then it works better. It, yeah. If it could, if it works because of the rules of the already established world, you're going to be better off. So, yeah, I agree. It gives you a formula to play with already. You don't need to invent a new formula for that episode. Should we talk? How should we start? Which example should we go through first? Like the Farscape and then talk Scooby Natural? I feel like Scooby Natural is done with so much love. It should be the first example. Okay. Okay. Because it's not just an animated episode for the sake of an animated episode. It's the the creators show their love of Scooby-Doo and the influence of Scooby-Doo on Supernatural by having the characters talk about how they're influenced by Scooby-Doo and grew up on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and if you need a primer on Scooby-Doo, you can go back and listen to our Scooby-Doo episode 
A Tale of Two Scoobies. I think that's episode four? Some It's early. It's way early. So The way, way back. Scroll all the way down to the bottom of your podcast feed of our show. Keep scrolling, and you'll get there to A Tale of Two Scoobies. And, and listen to that, because it defines... Scooby-Doo, essentially. What mm-hmm. what makes Scooby Scooby? And they break that in Scooby Natural. They do. Which I didn't think they would uh, get away with, but whoever's in charge of the Scooby-Doo universe these days uh, agreed to let Supernatural uh, break their world. So I was reading a little bit of it, of how this episode came to pass, and apparently... One of the executive producers on Supernatural is friends with somebody in charge of Warner Brothers Animation. And because they're both Warner Brothers properties, they're talking about it. It's like, hey, would you ever want to do a crossover with Scooby-Doo? It's like, yes, yes, we would. (laughs) So apparently way back in one of the earlier seasons, like season two or three, they were discussing having an animated episode. And they were just talking about it. And then I guess they ran through enough, you know, story ideas to get to the point where they could do an animated episode. And they put everything in there. I What I was really fascinated with right away was they chose an actual episode. Mm-hmm. Which I remember seeing, but I don't remember all the details of as a kid. Um, A Night of Fright is No Delight, Season 1, Episode 16 of the original run. So very early Scooby-Doo. They went way back. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, okay, this is a real thing. We're not just, like, doing generic Scooby-Doo. We're doing an actual episode of Scooby-Doo. So... The concept of this is we have two brothers. If you've never seen Supernatural, um, you're like me before this episode. Um, (laughs) I I hadn't watched it. I just knew it as the thing that came on after I was done watching Smallville and turned off the TV. Dang, Um, Smallville ended a long time ago. Yeah, I know, right? Supernatural is still not over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also hadn't seen it. And actually, my real first question was, why are all their voices so deep? Yeah, I had a hard time distinguishing who was who when they went when if I were to close my eyes um voice-wise. Like I'm I'm sorry supernatural fans. Really sorry. They all <laughs> talk like this. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're all basically almost Batman but not quite. We're like Batman but with sense of humor and Like this angel pet guy. Oh, sorry, Supernatural fans. We just lost that whole Venn diagram. We used to be a a Venn diagram that included Supernatural fans. And this episode just kicked them out of the Venn diagram. Down to Scooby-Doo fans. All right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) welcome, Scooby fans. Um, (laughs) So, Supernatural, we have two brothers, Dean and Sam. And much like the Dukes brothers, you have a by-the-rules one and a fun-loving one. So Dean is fun-loving and Sam is more by-the-rules, a little bit more cynical, a little bit more realistic. So he's cynic versus believer-go-with-the-flow kind of guy. Which I don't know how indicative that is of other episodes of Supernatural, but that's what they give us in this first few moments, um, which are live action. Um, And it sets it up. It sets up a very Scooby-Doo premise in the very beginning. Yes. (laughs) Like very clearly Scooby-Doo. Like, you know who the bad guy is, you know what the bad guy's doing. There's, you know, what's happening. I love the denouement of it was actually a real estate plot all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, at so least, the, at least they know Scooby Doo well enough to make fun of it, celebrate it, and also say that hey, we're doing the same thing. They went there. So essentially, these two brothers uh, are Ghostbuster demon busters. They're going after demons, and they somehow um, get sucked into their TV. We find out later it's a spirit of a dead boy. Um, but they get tied to a pocket knife. Tied sure. to a pocket knife for kicks. Okay. <laughs> they get they get sucked into their TV. Specifically, get sucked into an episode of. Scooby-Doo, as you said, Mackenzie, a night of fright is no delight. Um, they meet up with the Scooby gang at a malt shop um, before they are heading off to stay the night in a mansion to try to win an inheritance of a southern gentleman who died and is trying to leave money to Scooby because Scooby saved him at one point. Yep, yep, just suspend all disbelief. Roll with it. Yeah. It happened. Because remember, they're not making this up. This is an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like, this, is, this is something that existed before they got to it. One of the th- tropes they played with that I appreciate also, um, <laughs> speaking of the setup, is whenever they question the reality of the Scooby-Doo world, something sad comes up. Um, so, for example, like, oh, how'd the colonel die? Okay, okay, but he's dead now, right? Uh, yeah, that cancer. <laughs> Whenever you, like, go outside the bounds of, like, what Scooby-Doo presents to you and it's, it's Technicolor, like, 1960s glory, um, you get, like, this weird, sad peripheral world that they don't show in the show. <laughs> Daphne freaking out, like, am I going to hell? Like, why, Daphne, would you think that? (laughs) Why are you panicked thinking about that? I did appreciate the thing that that I appreciated more than the Scooby-Doo jokes, I think. Because the Scooby-Doo jokes were pretty good. Um, Knowing exactly that you're going to hit all the Scooby moments, you know, there's going to be a chase in a hallway full of too many doors. There's going to be, you know, s- splitting up and Daphne's going to lose her glass. Not not Daphne, sorry, Velma. Woo, that was close. Velma's going to lose her glasses. You know, someone's going to say jinkies, whatever. You know, you have all that Scooby stuff. The thing that I appreciated more was the animation stuff. Yes. They knew the rules of animation from the 60s. So there was one moment where um, they're at the malt shop and they see the newspaper written, uh, you know, and it's like, here's the newspaper with the article about the <laughs> about the, the, guy, the colonel who died. And he's like, there are no words in this newspaper, Dean. Just like the idea that it's just it's just scratched, just chicken scratch. It's not words. It's just lines on this paper and a picture. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. They do so many of those tricks. Um, speaking of the mystery and how they set things up, one thing Scooby Doo uh, did not succeed at was its background painting and its objects that needed to move, um, which are completely different bright color than everything else on screen. <laughs> So they go to a bookshelf at one point, and there's a book painted a different color, and they call it out like, Check out that book. There are a lot of books in here, Dean. That one. The one that isn't painted into the background of the car. (laughs) Library. The library. (laughs) That's the one. It's a different color than the background. I was like, oh, they know it. They know exactly what they're doing. They know the rules. The sandwich bit where he makes his mouth big at the beginning is so good. Look how big my mouth is. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and they get out of the way. Like, another show, but just dwell on, like, animated characters and the squash and stretch. Um, this one's just like, look, we can do it. Great, did it. <laughs> but I also, going back to the Scooby stuff that, that they did, I did appreciate that you... S- 
you have Dean just hating on Freddy. Just <laughs> just hates Freddy. He's a jerk. You know, Freddy is just a terrible person. And it just it helps that it's Frank Welker still doing the voice of Fred. That you're just like, oh, he's a really great guy. Like he's just he's not out to be a jerk. He's just a total Oh gosh, he he's so authentic. He's not trying to be rude. He's just he's just a cool guy. And it made me for the first time appreciate Freddie. Hmm. I could see that. I've Freddie, he's just always he's the Scott Summers of Scooby Doo. Yeah. He's there. You don't really like him, but you don't dislike him. You gotta have like the one calm, optimistic person who's like not gonna fall apart in the face of danger, but also isn't super smart. Yeah. And he is the heart of the Scooby gang. He is the one who is gung-ho about, hey, it's a mystery. Let's do this. You need that leader. You need the optimist. Because who's, who's going to be the leader? Shaggy? Me? I don't really understand anyone else's motive. I get Fred's motive and I get Velma's motive. No one else makes sense. Yeah, Even I was the dramaturgical plus Scooby-Doo. I was about to say, you could possibly count Velma in there. Like, a sh- Scooby-Doo would still be the same show for the for about 90% of it if you cut out Daphne, Shaggy, and Scooby. If you just had Fred and Velma, yep. you'd have almost the exact same show without people being scared and running away. Get Velma for the reveals and explanations, Fred for the crazy plots and plans, and uh, yeah, no one else contributes anything to wait solving a, the mystery. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that just basically Doctor Who? <laughs> Fred and Velma? It's just with Velma being the doctor. They do travel in a small box with no windows. Oh my gosh. And it's stuck in one time period no matter when they make the Scooby-Doo episode. And Freddy's the companion who's just all optimism and wants to explore and do stuff. And Velma's the one. Oh, God. Oh. We need the fan art internet. Make it happen. That's that's exactly what it is. That's why it works. Just the two of them. Jody Whittaker as Velma. As it, that. They finally did it. They finally they finally put Velma in the right gender in Doctor Who. And even who's do it works. It just works. Doctor Scoob? Doctor Scoob? Doctor Scoob. Anyway. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. We're way off track. But not as <laughs> off track as the episode goes. Um, (laughs) I mean, I feel like this episode was a lot of fun. I was laughing throughout. I was surprised by how much I was laughing. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I remember like I read that this was happening and then I read reviews like, oh, it was okay. And I feel like no one who saw this episode when it aired is a Scooby-Doo fan. The, the couple of reviews that I read were people like, five out of five, this is the best episode of Supernatural. Like, this shows why Supernatural is the best crossover in TV history. Like, they they were gung-ho about it. Okay. So, But they were all nerd sites. Mm. Which I think is the difference. Yeah, that's fair. You have to have your Venn diagram <laughs> <laughs> of Scooby-Doo fans and Supernatural fans coming together. But it it was really funny. And I think the thing that I laughed at the most was when the real world, quote unquote, of Supernatural started to corrupt the world of Scooby-Doo. The bloody body. (laughs) They went all in on the blood. Oh, man. It was well done. It would have been like melodramatic anything else, but... To break the formula, you had to really 
play it up. Because basically in Scooby-Doo, nobody ever dies and nobody gets hurt. Those are the two rules of Scooby-Doo. As scary as things get, you know no one's going to die, no one's going to get hurt, and it's just some guy in a mask. Mm -hmm. And the dog talks. And the dog talks. Those are the rules. But in this, we have somebody dies, and then another person dies. It's pretty gruesome, too. Like, the head... It's like a hanging and they're chopped off. There's blood everywhere. They get blood on their hands. Fred gets blood on him. Yeah. And then they actually get hurt later on. Like Fred has a bloody nose. Shaggy falls out a window. Like, man, how does this happen? I've fallen out of an airplane and well, it's okay. (laughs) Well done. A plus. (laughs) Which is an episode that we talked about. In, in Tale of Two Scoobies. So I think we talked about the biplane. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. But it's like, it's. And then his arm gets purple because it's broken. <laughs> like they went all in. They were like, no, it's it's going to get purple. It's going to be dark. We're going to really hit you over the head with this. There was such an attention to detail in the Scooby-Doo elements of it that really showed the love. I think this for me, not having seen everything on your list for this episode, but having seen other versions of this that I can't remember right now, I think Scooby Natural probably tops my list for animated episodes of live action shows. Yes. And I think because of knowing their own world, so and choosing something that fit thematically and spiritually, so to speak, with their world and knowing and loving the animated property that they were adding into it. Cool. I, I, yeah, I think those are the three things that made it work. So how do some of our other contestants fare? Not as well, (laughs) not as well, Mackenzie. (laughs) Um, I'll talk just slightly about hot in Cleveland. Just to give you an idea on, I think it's the one that fails mm. the most. So we can use that as the flip of the coin. So Hot in Cleveland, um, the tale of three women um, who are older, who are not great in Los Angeles. They don't. You know, they're nothing special in Los Angeles. They're kind of past their prime. They move um, to Cleveland after, I guess, their plane crash land. It doesn't crash, but I guess they get stuck in Cleveland for some reason. I forget the overall, like, how they ended up in Cleveland, but they get stuck there. And they decide to move there because they're suddenly hot. Like, Like, they're nothing in Los Angeles, but they're hot in Cleveland. By Cleveland standards, they are like tens. That's that's the whole idea bet- behind Hot in Cleveland. Three women, they're hot because Cleveland women, sorry Cleveland women, you're not as hot as these three women. I've so, learned so much already. <laughs> that's, that's the plot. Um, also, their um, neighbor is Betty White. But like, uh, she's Elka. Oh, I thought... I thought Betty White was the L.A. person who moved to Cleveland because she was hot in Cleveland. No. (laughs) Uh, I've already learned so much a second time. (laughs) So Betty White is their strange neighbor, Elka, who um, always has another crazy story. She's like that sitcom neighbor who just has weird stuff. Um, She drinks a lot. She's just really dark. And it's just fun to hear Betty White say rude things. Like that's that's why you cast Betty White as that character because she's just ridiculous. So it plays on, you know, Rose from Golden Girls, but like dark <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> so when I first watched Hot in Cleveland, I, I thought it was just fun. There's not a lot to it. It's very fluffy. Um, very sitcom-y, and it knows that, hey, we we're we're a, a new show 
on the TV Land Network. So we're going to play it like we're a TV Land show from way back, but we're doing it with Modern World. But we're doing all the tropes from old sitcoms, um, playing around with it. So what happens in Hot in Cleveland is it's their, um, I guess it's their anniversary of their third year anniversary or something, five years or something, season five, I suppose, of ending up in Cleveland. And they realize they've never gone to Elka's house. (laughs) So they go to Elka's house and they go inside. And when they walk inside her house, Everything is animated. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so they decide, now that they're animated, they decide to go on an adventure. So they go to all the cool things in Cleveland. And they end up at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like you do, because that's really in Cleveland. That is. That's. (laughs) I was going to say, the list of cool things in Cleveland, like... How long is this list? I, I think it was three. Um, <laughs> and you end up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they, they meet Steven Tyler um, in the trunk of a car. Um, and he grants them three wishes because they freed him from the trunk of this car. And their first wish is to be beautiful and to uh, you know be, have youth for the rest of their lives. And so they end up being transported to Elka's factory, which is basically a Wonka factory. Um, And they go in and they get Botox and they get liposuction. Is this real? A skin peel just by dunking my head in this fountain. Not just that. Lose your fat at the top of Lipo Mountain. The bird is in the sky. Have lasers in their eyes to zap unwanted facial hairs away. They realize that they don't really want that. And they go back to um, Steven Tyler and ask for men to be, they want to be irresistible to men. They want men to chase after them. And they end up in a post apocalyptic world where men are all zombies trying to eat them. They wanted to be that desired, so they grant their wish that way. And um, that's I think that's the funniest segment, but it has nothing to do with the show (laughs) at all. Um, And then the third thing is they wish that LeBron had never left Cleveland. Okay. And it turns out to be this... Cleveland ends up being this great, wonderful place, but it turns out to be more like Los Angeles. And so they're not hot anymore because LeBron stayed, which made Cleveland awesome. Um, And he ends up being essentially the Wizard of Oz. They go to LeBron's house, which is like the Emerald City, and he's behind a curtain. And they're like, you know, you have to leave LeBron because we're not hot anymore. So he leaves and then everyone hates them and tries to kill them. And I really don't know what was going on. So they had three separate wishes from Steven Tyler. So they were making fun of Cleveland, but also celebrating Cleveland, but also doing three properties that had nothing to do with hot in Cleveland. <laughs> Willy Wonka... Walking Dead and Wizard of Oz. And The and Walking Dead isn't even animated. It's not. And the thing that I was like most confused about is what is the Venn diagram of people who enjoy Hot in Cleveland and also watch The Walking Dead and also well, and also would enjoy an animated episode? That's you, Chris. You're just describing yourself. Ah, I hate The Walking Dead. It's, oh, really? It's too scary. Oh, I mean, I also don't like it but for other reasons. But I thought you liked it. I made this up. No, I don't like I've never seen an episode of it because it seems too scary. Mm, okay. Fair enough. Also, uh, my wife hates zombies. Mm. Like good reason. Like Plants vs. Zombies, the app, is too scary for her. It'll give her nightmares. I celebrate this. That's a very oddly specific 
fear. <laughs> so here's a property that I, I think the best part of the episode was the part where they go in and it's animated, which is silly if they had stayed there and just done that and played around with animation from TV land. If they had done it and made fun of it like um, Flintstones or something, you know, Jetsons, played around with old cartoons like that instead of going to non-animated properties. Totally. And doing satire for no reason that don't mix. I think if they had stayed with animation and made fun of animated properties, that would have been better. Yeah, I can see that. And on brand. What's TV land? (laughs) And on brand. And how. And how. So there's a bad example. Okay. So let's talk briefly about Farscape, which I think is a medium example. (laughs) Yes. Just not right. Um, have you seen much Farscape? <clears throat> um, no. This was my first Farscape episode. So Farscape is already very difficult to describe as a show concept. <laughs> it tries whatever in the I opening say, credits. <laughs> it does. But whatever I do here, it's not going to sell this show. It is really high and really bad at different points. <laughs> um... The, cell, the log line here is, what if we did a high-concept sci-fi late-night TV show, but where half the cast is Jim Henson Muppets? And that's exactly what the show is. So, half of them are they're Muppets. It's Jim Henson Company. <clears throat> oh, and all the actors are Australian except Ben Browder. Um, the main thing here, uh, the main shtick of the show, humor-wise, that they do the entire way throughout is the main guy is from Earth and he gets lost a lot in space, etc., etc. Um, but he was really into pop culture on Earth, so he keeps making pop culture references nonstop and no one ever gets it. That's his whole shtick. And so this episode takes the idea of a bad guy kind of living in his head who tries to mess with him and drive him crazy <clears throat> and convince him that he is crazy by using those pop culture references and essentially doing Looney Tunes in his head to make him think that he's crazy. Concept-wise, I'm on board. I get it. Um, Execution-wise, it was like early sci-fi channel. Not a ton of budget, but they had Muppets, but not really high-quality animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the concept, yes, I approve. I, I felt the con- like I felt that the concept made a lot of sense. I feel like this is weird for me to say, but I feel like the animated parts just went on too long. <laughs> like I didn't want it to be animated as much as it was. And That's fair. I, I and I think part of it was because it didn't grow. You know what I'm. You know what I mean. Yeah, and that's. Farscape kind of gets stuck in a rut, I think, in the middle, my personal opinion. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting to think about, but not too hard. So what happens in this episode? Let's let people know what is going on. There's, there's Um, There's an alien guy with a head and hair. Like, uh, I don't remember all the details, I gotta be he's, honest. He's an off-brand Klingon who is okay. flying a ship with his human friend, the human guy, and something happens to the ship, I'm not sure what, and the off-brand Klingon, the OBK, is like, you did something, and he chases him, and he knocks him out. And the guy, the human guy is dying. And OBK is like, oh my gosh, I feel bad. Or trying to get to the bottom of what happened to his ship. And realizing that it wasn't the human guy's fault. And in his brain, the human guy's trying to find a way to survive 
and come out of the coma through the power of animation. Like you do. Like you do. That's what this podcast is all about. Through the power of animation. Getting through the existential ennui of humanity and coming out of it more enlightened thanks to the power of animation. Thank you, Werner. You're welcome. <laughs> this is the Werner Brothers. <laughs> the Werner Brothers. <laughs> and the younger sister, Sadness. <laughs> um, goodness. So, I think thematically you're right. It, it kind of does work with somebody having a coping mechanism. They do say in the episode, these cartoons are a crutch. These cartoons are a crutch. Attempting to shield yourself instead of doing what is called for. Um, and just making it basically a Wile E. Coyote cartoon with mm -hmm. casting himself as the roadrunner. Yeah. For because you know the hero's always the roadrunner in that show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Yeah, so medium example. And so it's trying to do it's trying to make a character point with the animation, but I feel like the point they were trying to make is so muddy that the animation didn't quite sell it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It didn't I deliver get on it. And then, and then we have something like Broad City, which you didn't watch the whole thing. You watched... Yeah, I saw some clips on YouTube that were more like promo clips, and I was really into the concept. Um, Broad City, again, not being kid-appropriate. So yes. you're about to talk about something that's not kid appropriate. Um, hit pause now if you don't want your kid to hear this. <laughs> okay, the room is clear. Um, doing mushrooms. Yes. In inappropriate life situations. From just a little bit that I saw, I'm gathering. They have the weekend off, decide to do drugs and trip, and then one of them gets called into work, and that's kind of the dilemma. Yes. Okay, great. But that dilemma doesn't happen till about the midpoint of the episode. Mm. Um, the first part is just them slowly becoming animated. So first it starts with their eyes and then suddenly the entire world becomes animated. Love is so cool. It really is. We should write that down. For what? Sometimes I just feel like our dynamic is special and we should capture it. I feel like people would really relate to it. So it's just about their mental and emotional state as shown through this really cool animation and them talking about, you know, love and how love is important. And then it just spirals into this really heady conversation, you know, really deep conversation. Um, and it gets a little... For me, I got really nervous because you can't tell what's real and what's not. So is that thing that they're talking to a real person? Is that safe? Are they actually doing things? You know, you were like, they're tender and being very nervous. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> um, and then they both end up in um, really scary situations for them, but situations that they think they can handle. Um, it goes from animation back to live action. Um, and we can see just what animation can do in terms of showing a mental emotional state, because you have the ability to do anything in animation mm -hmm. and they really stretch it really far, which I appreciated. It feels very much like, um, in the style of the 60s, so stuff a little bit like um, Yellow Submarine-ish kind of stuff. Not that style, but of that same mood where, you know, a character's body can turn into a swirl and bounce back and can fly away. And suddenly we're in the sky and this other thing can open a mouth and suddenly you're in something else. And it's just really creative the way it happens. 
Um, but it feels really unsettling, <laughs> which is cool. Um, but then when they end up in live action, again, you still sense that that world is still present in their heads. And even though they're coming down from the high, they still don't know what the, their perception of reality is. And some bad things happen, some really terrible things happen um, that are funny, but awful. And, and then you have Wanda Sykes going, going crazy at them. Just being Wanda. Just being Wanda Sykes, just letting it all out. She's like, this isn't Vampirina, okay? I get to say what I really want to say. It's, <laughs> it, it's going to be bleeped out, but I'm going to say what I want to say. Um, it's just pretty, it goes, it's not making fun of anything and it's not using the animation to make a, a statement about animation. It's making a statement about the characters and it totally works in that world. Okay. So by liberating itself from any context of animation, it's just enjoying the form. Exactly. You find that very rewarding. Absolutely. Um, it was really strong because it goes through and shows you where the, their minds are. It, it absolutely shows character and it represents character mental state in a way that if it had been in live action, you never would have been able to show that as effectively, you know, you could do camera angles, you could do different things, but Live action doesn't have the power to be as colorful and vibrant and change skin tones and do other things and have, you know, fuchsia and yellows and gorgeous blues. You know, it, it just goes wild. And it's, it's really cool. And if you are not a child, I would recommend um, checking it out. Well, then I look forward to it. Yes. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome, Mackenzie. <laughs> so I, I think the, the two ones that, that do the best are Broad City in its fact of how it uses animation and, of course, Scooby Natural, which how it uses an animated property <laughs> slash animation itself. The two opposite ends of the spectrum can't be in the middle. Either end, you're good. Yes, absolutely. Because you get the middle end of, even with Eureka, which is a Christmas special, um, so it makes fun of Christmas specials. Um, it gives, um, it just creates, uh, at the end, there's like a stop motion Christmas special. I guess there's this magic, I'm sorry, this science book. <laughs> <laughs> where they It's a science book? It's a sciency book storytelling thing. They're doing, they're using it to do things, and what they do in the book affects the town because of science? Question mark. Okay. Um, and at one point, they become like Peanuts characters for half a second. They become Futurama-ish characters for half a second. So they're just playing around with different stuff. Um. The most effective ones are when they're stop motion Christmas special characters, but it really doesn't do anything character wise. It's just like, oops, we're animated and it looks really cool um, and it's fun, but it's not doing anything beyond like we're an animated form. So isn't that funny? So they're in the middle, it's form, it's a little bit of homage, it's, they're having fun, it's not bad, it's just not dramaturgically successful. Correct. Okay. Correct. So out of our five examples, have we learned anything new about, like, why make an animated episode? Um, we've learned that because you can is not a good enough reason. <laughs> um, we've learned that you either want to do something thematically appropriate for the world of your show, um, a la Scooby Natural, or you want to do something that can express 
something for your characters that live action can't. So like Broad City does. I feel like those are the two strongest things you can do. There is satire, but you can't just, uh, I guess it gets into the, um, the family guy trap, which is just because you make a reference to something doesn't make it funny. Mm. Need that cross stitched onto a pillow. <laughs> Mentioning something does not a joke make. I was going to try to reference something, but I couldn't think of something appropriate, <laughs> which I guess is the point. <clears throat> so from all of our examples of animated episodes of live action shows, do you have a favorite thing, Chris? I think my favorite thing comes from Scooby Natural. And it's the moment that the Scooby gang realizes that there are real ghosts and they all have varying degrees of mental breakdowns. If there are ghosts, that means there's an afterlife. Heaven, hell, am I going to hell? We told you every freaking time, but did you ever listen to Scooby and me? No. We do. All right, knock it off. Come on. Scooby Gang does not have nervous breakdowns. <laughs> yes. And they realize that they've broken the Scooby Gang. So good. And they put it back together. Spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. <laughs> they put it back together. All is restored at the end. I think my favorite thing is also from Scooby Natural. And it's just such a great character justification for not doing the obvious. Uh, one of the brothers asks the other, like, well, if you've seen this episode a hundred times, why don't we just skip to the end and finish this? <clears throat> he said, well, it's the journey. And they said, oh, you just want to spend more time with Daphne. Okay. <laughs> so, like, the selfish interest and lust for one of these characters justifies why we're watching the episode of Scooby-Doo play out. <laughs> also, I mean, they do say, and apparently they were trapped in a TV once before, um... That they, in order to get out, they did have to live through the plot of whatever happened last time. So I don't know. Yeah, sure, totally. Yeah. One ghost is exact. One. Once you've met one TV ghost demon, you've <laughs> met them all. <laughs> Becomes old hat. <laughs> Speaking of old hat, should we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, we are going to be doing part six of our Now We've Recognized seven-part <laughs> series of going through the Disney canon. So canon, you can, canon. Canon, canon. So you can take a look at our first five episodes. When last we left our heroes, we were at the Disney Renaissance. Now we are going into the unknown territory where Disney... Did not understand what came after the Disney Renaissance, and they lose track of their souls. <gasps> Dramatic. So, for next time, during this period, um, we are going to be talking specifically about Atlantis, the Lost Empire, and Meet the Robinsons. You may watch any other films in this period that goes from starting with Fantasia 2000 and ending with Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> watch anything in there. There are some real gems in there, as you'll find out as we talk about next time. So some of my favorites are in here. But I'm excited to talk about it. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino. And to Jacob Reed for our brand smack and new theme music. Woo! Woo! <laughs> and you can catch us on the web. Let us know what you thought about Scooby Natural. And if you've thought about and found any other live action shows that do animated episodes, let, me, let us know what your favorite is. On Twitter, at WG Animated. Like us on Facebook.com slash WG Animated. And we will have links to our show notes and clips. We'll definitely have clips from Broad City and Hot in Cleveland and the Farscape and lots of other stuff so you can 
experience what we have experienced for yourself at our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. It's the end of the show. <gasps> Ruby, Ruby, Roo! Run right, Ruby, Roddy. That hurt my throat. <laughs>